Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. I'm Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. You can find all of my written work at my website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Steve Jobs is the film I'm going to be reviewing today. It's a drama. Some might even call it a biopic, although I probably would take people to task for calling it that. Um, it's an R-rated film for its language, so if you aren't really bothered by F-bombs um, or your kids or, or whomever, um, it's perfectly fine. That's really all it is to it. it the runtime is two hours and two minutes, and the cast includes Michael Fassbender as the titular Steve Jobs, Kate Winslet, Seth Rogen, Jeff Daniels, Michael Stuhlbarg, and Catherine Waterston uh, are the main supporting players. The director is Danny Boyle, and the screenplay is by Aaron Sorkin. Now, there's two things that most people know about Steve Jobs. One, he was a genius, and two, he was an a-hole. <laughs> so since his death in 2011, there have been a number of projects over the years, including the prior biopic that came out a few years ago starring Ashton Kutcher, just called Jobs. And earlier this year, actually a couple of months ago, Alex Gibney dropped a documentary called Steve Jobs, The Man in the Machine, which you can watch on demand right now. Uh, those films wrestled with how we're ultimately supposed to feel about this man who was so good at what he did for a living, and yet he seemed to be so uninterested in trying to be very good about uh, any other aspect in his life. However, you know, much of what we know in the public about the very private Steve Jobs comes almost wholly from those public appearances that he shaped himself. So by giving us an interpretation of what Steve Jobs may have been like behind the scenes... Uh, in this case, literally behind the scenes of those very uh, public appearances that we know so well, the filmmakers of Steve Jobs, the movie, seek to give us a look at Steve Jobs that has never been seen before, and perhaps even by those who were actually there at those events at the time may not recognize a lot of what's in this film. Now, Steve Jobs, the film, is is written by the highly acclaimed screenwriter Aaron Sorkin, who had previously scored big with another tech industry biography, uh, 2008's The Social Network, which would eventually go on to garner an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture. Although Walter Isaacson's best-selling biography on Steve Jobs, uh, published in 2011, provides many of the facts that are used in the film, Aaron Sorkin takes all of those facts and those conversations and he weaves them into its own fictional circumstance. It, it sets all of the backstage drama in this ramp-up to three key product launches in the career of Steve Jobs. We get uh, Apple Macintosh's launch back in 1984. Steve Jobs started his own company after leaving Apple uh, called Next, and uh, they launched a computer in 1988 called the... Uh, some people just dub it the Cube, but um, it was just called the Next Computer. And uh, we flash forward 10 more years to uh, Steve Jobs rejoining Apple and launching... Uh, uh, a, a whole new revolution of, of personal computers that are catered more to your personality called the iMac. Now, in, in the film, we get handlers, we get work associates, some near, some not so dear. <laughs> we get skeptical tech journalists. Um, there's a demanding ex-girlfriend named Chris Ann Brennan who appears in all three vignettes. And uh, Chris Ann's daughter, Lisa, uh, Chris Ann claimed that Steve Jobs was the father of Lisa and even a uh, paternity test actually bore out the fact that uh, he very much was, I think, I think it was quoted as like 94 point something percent 
chance that Steve Jobs could have been the father, something he still claimed, even despite that uh, that test that uh, he was the person saying that uh, there could have been 27 million people, 27 million men still uh, could have been the father. Um, you know, all of these these characters come in and out of the story as Steve Jobs preps for going out on stage and trying to wow the crowd with his hype for another one of his uniquely designed consumer products. Um, as you would expect from Aaron Sorkin, there's a lot of smart and juicy and fast-paced dialogue. Um, there's a lot of uh, rich themes that, that develop within his writing style. That can also be a double-edged sword because as gifted as... Uh, Sorkin is at finding very riveting, dramatic wrinkles to expose, even in stories as cut and dried as, you know, here we have a, a film about technology and computer design, but he makes it really fascinating in its own way. He ratchets up, ratchets up that tension to play for bombast and vitriol, sometimes in a way that feels too Hollywood to buy as a portrayal of real people, real tech industry uh, figures in real situations. So depending on what you're expecting, you know, if you want a riveting drama, I think that it will deliver. If you want accuracy, this is definitely not the movie that's going to be for you. It's also a very talky film, and I think that some people will be turned off by that. And given that it's a three-act, three-setting structure, it it really comes across more like a filmed version of a stage play, like kind of like a chamber drama in, in some respects, although with much more... Uh, with much more emphasis on budget, I guess. And uh, I think that, that that feeling of a filmed play does will deflate the cinematic aspect of the movie for some people, despite having this Oscar-winning director in uh, Danny Boyle at its helm. Michael Fassbender, the, the star of the film, of course, who plays Steve Jobs, he took over this role initially. Uh, the film was going to be, as with the social net network, was going to be directed by David Fincher, who eventually passed on the project because he asked for a little bit too much money for the studio uh, to handle. I think he asked for like $10 million and he wanted full creative control and the studio just wasn't going to give it to him. And he wanted Christian Bale for it. Um, but uh, Steve, you know, they passed it along to Danny Boyle uh, and Danny Boyle uh, cast Michael Fassbender uh, for Steve Jobs and I think that Fastbender really doesn't look, I think, enough like the real Steve Jobs to find it really a transformative performance. But I think that Fastbender is still a captivating presence. Perhaps he's a bit more handsome and more charismatic than the real Steve Jobs. And maybe, uh, that, you know, Steve Jobs was kind of a, a, a you know, more, uh, prickly and shrewd and, Maybe Fassbender comes across as too likable, given that uh, everyone around him is calling him some sort of tyrant and a huge jerk. Somehow Fassbender, the, the way that he's portrayed here, is, would, I would think that a lot of people would give him a pass because he just seems to be more slick and nuanced and it just had a little bit more charisma uh, than I think the real Steve Jobs, who probably could be... Uh, more, you know, Steve Jobs was a, an enigmatic presence. You know, I think that a lot of people didn't really understand what was going on and didn't know what to expect in his reactions. They probably were very erratic. Steve Jobs also, the, the real Steve Jobs was known as being intensely logical and very cold sometimes. And you can see it really in his eyes. And Fassbender seems much more soft. He's much more approachable in the way that he plays Jobs here. You know, we, we get that he is immensely arrogant, sure, and, but 
I think that Fassbender comes across more like this this very uh, uh, adept politician instead of this tech wizard with a singular and uncompromising vision at the expense of his ability to make emotional connections with people. You feel connected with Fassbender's portrayal of Steve Jobs in a way that I think that a lot of people around Steve Jobs, even people who know them well, didn't have that emotional connection with him. The supporting cast... Uh, also not really cast as dead ringers for the real-life equivalents. I think that they're pretty solid. Kate Winslet gives an effective and very subtle performance as Jobs's right-hand woman in times of these product launches, his media manager, uh, Joanna Hoffman. Um, now, Hoffman was of Polish descent, and um, she appear, uh, Winslet sometimes appears to struggle throughout to maintain Hoffman's Polish accent, but still... Um, I think she does a pretty good job in terms of uh, the, 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 the acting performance that is requ- required from her, as you would expect from somebody with the talent of Kate Winslet. Seth Rogen, is, he portrays the much more warm and very friendly Apple co-founder uh, engineer Steve Wozniak. Uh, Wozniak, who was paid for to be a consultant for the film, gives uh, uh, Rogen's performance a thumbs up. So, um, you know, essentially really... Rogan doesn't act anything more than like Seth Rogan uh, as Steve Wozniak. Uh, I mean, he smokes probably a lot less pot than he does in movies and doesn't do as much buffoonery, but he is, uh, he, I guess, fulfills the requirements of the role, which is to be a large guy. He has a beard and he wasn't really an egotist like Steve Jobs. Uh, also contributing well is Jeff Daniels as the former Pepsi CEO, John Scully. Uh, Scully took over the reins of Apple for a spell prior to Jobs' dismissal after the failure of the Macintosh. And uh, he does a good jo- job here. And Michael Stuhlbarg, uh, playing Andy Hertzfeld, Hertzfeld excuse me, uh, is, uh, is, is a, a nice role to give us the, uh, I, I guess he kind of represents the typical employee of Apple. Uh, so whenever they need to cut to somebody who uh, Steve Jobs could push around, Hertzfeld was the person who was the representation. Um, now, the main story arc for Steve Jobs, the film, is not about the way that Steve Jobs, the person, evolved as uh, a businessman. But I think that the if there's anything that changes from the beginning of Steve Jobs uh, in, in this life to the end is really as a father. So um, this film really finds a way to open up uh, Steve Jobs' walled-off heart that could only be opened seemingly by a proprietary tool that only he possessed. Uh, perhaps the saddest part of Steve Jobs' the film is that the, the this character of Lisa Brennan, uh, Steve Jobs' daughter, uh, now, now there is a person that actually exists. Lisa Brennan actually does exist in real life, but the character that is shown here is mostly a fabrication. Uh, she's used merely as a, a, a narrative device, a thematic element in the film. Uh, if you think back, this is not something uncommon for Aaron Sorkin to do. Um, Rooney, Mara, Rooney Mara's fictitious character in uh, the social network, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, would-be girlfriend who he ends up never being able to quite please did not exist in real life. And uh, it's, some, it's something that Sorkin likes to use to try and get to, to the roots of the emotion of the person, even though it's mostly fictitious or, or even wholly fictitious. So, I mean, with with Aaron Sorkin's work, you have to realize that creative license isn't going to be sampled or even or even dolloped over the top of a true story. It's actually the main ingredient. And that leaves reality as just the spice to be used sparingly by Sorkin for purposes of his narrative structure. 
so Sorkin's work is more of a think piece instead of a reenactment of actual events. And for a man who challenged the public to think different in Apple's advertisements, I think that Aaron Sorkin and director Danny Boyle seem to take this motto of think different to heart by delivering an entirely different sort of Steve Jobs biopic than I think that most would be expecting. Now, as with other films uh, about Steve Jobs, there's a narrative irony at seeing how a man who often struggled to form bonds and connections with people, uh, at least emotional connections with the people around him, could so firmly understand the human need to form bonds and connections with each other as users of his products uh, and how to use his devices in order to not only uh, uh, use them as tools to uh, enhance your own self, but also your connection with others. But when you look under the hood, so to speak, of uh, Steve Jobs' early work as a, uh, a creator or a designer, you can see that he was a man who didn't really want to connect the world so much as for the world to connect to him using his products. And all of these products featuring this proprietary hardware, software, even the case design was kind of uh, uh, des designed to keep people out from, from actually getting into, uh, it, it was as walled off as, as Steve Jobs was walled off himself. Um, so the, the, he also wanted the people to, to use his products to not connect to the rest of the world, but to connect to only those other people who are willing to play in the same wall, the garden of Apple, usually at quite a high price compared to the more open world of, of say, the PC or other uh, technological devices. So the film has three different major set pieces. They all have a very different tempo and different themes that it draws out. Uh, one, one of the unique things about the, the way the film plays out is that each uh, segment also has uses different film stock. It, the 1984 scenes use 16 millimeter film in order. And so it, it appears very grainy. It appears very kind of old in appearance. 1988, we move up to uh, 35 millimeter for the way that it's, it's, uh, it's shot. And then uh, in 1988, we move on to digital cameras, which kind of, kind of shows the evolution of technology in another way, other than the, the fact that the computers are, are gaining much more sophistication. My favorite uh, of the three segments is the central one, the one about the launch of the next computer, uh, perhaps mostly because I think that this is the portion of Steve Jobs' career that has been covered the least. Most people, when they uh, think, ab think about Steve Jobs, think mostly about his work with Apple and Apple computers and Apple products. Um, next was, is kind of often used as a, uh, a, a, the side venture of what he was doing in between when he left Apple, but it's not really, you know, people don't really go into the nuts and bolts of what makes the next computer a little bit different. Um, and I think that's, that makes it feel somewhat fresh and, and, and kind of goes into undiscovered territory. So I, I found that the most fascinating, the, the, the stuff about the Macintosh in 1984 is well covered and I, it's something that I know very well. So uh, I, I think perhaps uh, it bothered me a little bit more than it would for most other people because I know that a lot of the, the stuff that was in uh, the behind the scenes of that launch uh, was really shoehorned in. And, and, and actually a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the dialogue seems to be a little bit anachronistic and some of the some of the events get a little bit fudged, I think, for the purpose of this movie. It's a little sloppy in terms of uh, its timeline, I guess. Um, now, it's not a traditional biopic because, um, you know, instead of going into the rise and fall of Steve Jobs or even uh, getting into uh, all of the major events of his life up to those points, all we get here are three snapshots 
of Jobs' life to choose from, and they're kind of set in real time. So we just get basically a half hour or so for each particular segment in order to kind of understand where Steve Jobs is at that point in his life and uh, and also the people around him. Now, Sorkin, like I said, he, he likes to fudge the narrative uh, a bit, and here he shoehorns in all of those uh, uh, jobs life events into the frame of those snapshots and also the through the use of montage interludes to keep viewers up to speed uh, there's these interludes that happen in between uh, the three segments uh, to let us know what happened to jobs career wise between these vignettes so I, I if I think about it more though I maybe the term snapshot for these films is inaccurate um, Sorkin Aaron Sorkin himself said in the interviews that Steve Jobs is not really a picture but it's really a painting. Um, now, given that some the film actually gets some dramatic mileage from an actual abstract made by a five-year-old Lisa Brennan on Mac Paint, uh, this was a fictitious element a- added, by the way, from Aaron Sorkin. This this event or this uh, picture by Lisa Brennan never actually happened, um, and in fact, you know, it, she wasn't even there. <laughs> but um, you know, I, perhaps it's fitting that Sorkin's uh, painting is also an abstract. Uh, the painting being his film because he shows Jobs' life, not as it truly was, but really as it makes us feel. Uh, it allows us to make our own interpretations of this jumble of elements to form our own u- unique perspectives on Steve Jobs himself. And perhaps most fitting of all is that this is a film about a man who, you know, through his advertisements, you could tell some of the statements that he made. He envisioned himself as an artist. His products were not necessarily tools as much as tools to, not, to works of art themselves to allow people to also create their own works of art. He obsessed much more about the form and the feel of his products, whether it's the actual design of the external uh, computer or the actual uh, software that is used. He wants you to, to feel and to, to, to have an aesthetically pleasing experience with his products. He didn't really obsess as much over the specifics of what's going on under the hood, how much memory it had, how many slots, and all this other stuff. He, I mean, he did obsess over it in terms of trying to keep it streamlined, but uh, it was more because he wanted the form over giving people uh, more robust uh, uh, choices. So, so if you're going to make a movie about uh, uh, Steve Jobs, then you should probably make a film that really is more obsessed about the form and the feel and not really about the specifics of the content of his life. And so I think that that makes Steve Jobs, uh, even though it's not an accurate portrayal and it may rankle some people uh, in the way that Aaron Sorkin writes this film, uh, especially if you're not an Aaron Sorkin lover, if you don't like his uh, his ability to, uh, to, to throw out dialogue like this, um, I think that this may not be the film for you, but to me, I feel like it's a it's a really good um, dramatic look at Steve Jobs. Something that, even though we've seen Steve Jobs many times before, um, whether it was in uh, early on in the Pirates of Silicon Valley or whether it's the Ashton Kutcher's portrayal of Steve Jobs, which I think is somewhat underrated, unfortunately, for because I I, I think that people just like to hate on Ashton Kutcher. Um, and also in the Alex Gibney documentary, this gives you a unique uh, feel. It may not be an accurate version, but it does get, give you a lot to think about. And I think that, you know, when I'm reviewing films, I don't necessarily review films 
merely for how accurate they are. Um, I'm, although I, I do think that taking too much creative license with something we all know to be false will actually, uh, ruin my experience sometimes. I know that 98% of this movie is probably fictional, but at the same time, I still feel that as a film, it offers enough interesting narrative and thematic elements to make me chew on or to give me something to chew on, not only during the film, but also when it's all said and done. Uh, I think that as long as you know, uh, coming out of it, that it is the work, uh, a work primarily of fiction, um, then I think that you should be able to be entertained by it. If for those people who don't know that much about Steve Jobs at all, I don't think that this is a very good introduction because I think that it will distort, uh, your image about who he was and what he did, uh, too much so that you'll have a, uh, a distorted version of history. But, um, but for those who, pe- for those people who like Steve Jobs and want to see something a little bit different, more of a think piece than, than an actual straightforward, uh, biographical picture, um, I think that Steve Jobs is a good film. And I'm going to give it three and a half stars out of four for, uh, which means that I, uh, recommend it, uh, for people who are just interested in a good drama. Um, and have some interest also in uh, the life of Steve Jobs, but are not going to be very particular that it's going to adhere to the historical facts. Uh, as Aaron Sorkin once said, he didn't want to just regurgitate the Wikipedia entry of Steve Jobs. He wanted to give people something to think and to feel about. And I think that he did deliver what he set out to do in doing that. And Danny Boyle, I think does a good job with the rat-a-tat style of Aaron Sorkin and keeping it all together. Uh, so three and a half stars for Steve Jobs. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. If you do like the reviews and you want to hear more of them, please click the subscribe button. And also if you like the reviews that I deliver, also, uh, take the time out to give me a review on iTunes. <laughs> Ironically, a, a, a creation of Apple computers and Steve Jobs. Uh, so if you take the time to leave a review on iTunes, uh, let other people know what you think, because uh, in addition to uh, being something to let me and other people know what you think of the show, it actually does help me in terms of the placement on iTunes uh, to gain exposure. And it, that's the best way you can do the best thing you can do to help the show, because I'm not asking for donations or uh, and I don't have advertisers. So I uh, this really is the only thing that I ask out of you. So I also encourage you to check out my website, quipster.net. You can find, uh, and I don't have advertisers on my uh, website either, so I'm not gaining any money whatsoever from anything that I do in terms of my love and passion for delivering uh, my thoughts on movies. So I, I, I do hope that you take that into account as well. All of this is done because of my love of films and of writing and of podcasting now. So. Anyway, uh, thank you for everyone for listening. Enjoy your time at the movies. And if you do see Steve Jobs, um, this is a film that I, I could see somebody loving. Uh, I could also see somebody hating. But I, I actually would like to get your take on it. You can find my um, my contact information at my website, quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Thank you, everyone. And enjoy your time at the movies. Bye.